Rangers, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, at Gravcast, and with me is my dashing co-host, Kennedy. Hey! And today, I've got the talented, the beautiful, the wonderful, the funniest person I know, one of the original truthers there is, mm. Kelton. Yeah. From the podcast Psychic Dolphin Garage. Kelton, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. Happy to be here. I'm so glad that you speak all incredibly true things about me uh, leading up into this. Unlike Kennedy, I will not shy away from the adoration that I so deserving uh, deserve in my own head. So thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. You know, Kennedy never appreciates me complimenting him every week. What are you talking about? What? Just because I haven't specifically said something? It boosts my it boosts me up. It's why I host so well. <laughs> oh, is that is that is that uh the energy? Now for I your understand the ball? nature of y'all's yeah, dynamic. Like I a, get it. I get it. Okay. You know, one right. week one week you're gonna be like uh and and my my average co-host Kennedy, and I'll be like, Yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Kelton, what's been going on in your world of podcasting? Uh, not a whole lot. I actually, funnily enough, am uh, on a break from the Psychic Dolphin Garage group. I'm on a little bit of a podcasting furlough as I'm just enjoying letting my mind heal from doom scrolling. And so uh, being able to really explore super fun, lighthearted topics like the devil all the time on Netflix, which if anyone has seen that movie, holy shit, I'm so sorry. Or I'm thinking of ending things also on Netflix. Uh, you know, just, just something really that that's nice and airy, not too serious, not too many think pieces. It's been a joy. <laughs> I got to say, though, creating this podcast, uh, I know this is a little bit of behind behind the scenes, peeling back the curtains here, but I do enjoy coming onto this podcast every week. Uh, just for the simple fact that I'm not talking about horrible shit all the time. Like, we just got through one of the worst seasons of Power Rangers recently. Probably the worst, uh, but we don't know that entirely yet. But, like, even then, doing that was much better than constantly doing the political podcasting every week, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is interesting how... It's almost like if you consume a medium, you can have a discussion and bring out all of those exact same talking points, but not in a direct article, name, take, discuss type format. Instead, you can almost work it in as it comes up naturally. Wow, it's 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 a it's a fantastic thing that this idea of podcasting, all the options it provides us. Crazy how like this type of stuff affects your mental health like i didn't realize just how bad my mental health was until i started doing this podcasting and noticed like a a big uptick in like the happiness and the serotonin that i was experiencing on the day to day yeah. do you think it's like uh one of those guys that's working for the nsa and it's just like i don't know why but once i got switched off of the child pornography division and into the cute animal sector my job's been great. I mean, it turns out maybe <laughs> that was bad nightmares. for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping, you know, six to ten hours a night instead of zero. All that stuff. <laughs> I Not feel waking up in a cold sweat after three hours of sleep. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, those were the days, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's so fun that we have something that we can focus on. That is just this playful, heightened realism that is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very excited to dive into this with y'all. Kelton, what is your experience with the Power Rangers? I was a, uh, a young boy, uh, as so many guys often are, but I love fucking dinosaurs. And I remember watching the Power Rangers movie and then also Turbo just on repeat and um i you know thought that it was the coolest things in the world especially since then i had like on vhs the the first three seasons of mighty morphing uh i have no idea where they went i probably played them until everything got real grainy 
and weird. So my parents probably thought I was pausing it and jacking off to the swords, which not exactly wrong, I suppose. But I mean, I, I just I just really kind of enjoy the, the world that they built, uh, at least as a kid. And so then when I was, I think, in early middle school, maybe even late elementary school, then finding out that there was this Japanese show that all of the Power Rangers <laughs> was lifting everything from. I was like, holy shit, how many people know about this? I know a secret that no one else will ever know. And then uh, uh, just kind of fell down that rabbit hole for a while into just, you know, figuring out, well, what was what? And then I kind of left it alone, you know, once puberty hit, started uh, to, to get laid. And as it would turn out, at least in the, the mid-aughts, talking about how much you love Power Rangers, not exactly the social clatter uh climbing status topic that people might think that it is. <laughs> that's, that's so pretty i, I kind of let it go um you know uh because i didn't find know. out about the fact that it was lifted from super sentai until way later that's good so that's, for you that's why what was it like you, being you popular <laughs> <laughs> that that that's wild that you knew that back in like like prehistoric internet age. Well, I think it was because I forced my parents probably to watch it so much that if you're an adult watching Power Rangers and it's not for a podcast, I I legitimately think you should be put on a watch list. So, I mean, I'm sure to them they wanted to really try and shatter my my mystical view of the show but instead they made me realize like i become that annoying kid and talk about how the movies aren't technically canon with the tv show <laughs> yeah because that's that's something that other kids love talking about yes everyone time. loves that subject what is <laughs> <laughs> that ruined no no like those toys are from the movie too they can't play with my toys my toys are from the tv yeah show. You, you know you can't you we're having a zord battle with cannon zords and uh <laughs> that's a that's a non-canon zord that you have there in your hand a uh, little 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 Jimmy who is also eight years old. Um, yeah, just... how, how, much, how much do you love this conversation? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that uh... completely sucked the joy out of me when it came to like watching anime movies and finding out like the most of the movies that exist for anime shows uh, aren't canon. They're just like complete side stories or just mm -hmm. you know alternative timelines or whatever that are throwaway. And uh, yeah, man, like that type of stuff always got to me, even to this day, uh, like the My Hero Academia movies that come out. I just don't watch them because every really, time I, I love all the Elseworlds stuff because, you know, I, I get this feeling that anything could happen in that universe. You aren't tied to it as much. It always just feels like a cash grab. It never feels like it's well produced, well, of course. specifically, of course. specifically in the anime world, I think. Because I don't think they try hard enough uh, to to really you like up that? the writing or the storylines. You hear so, that? Like, anime animators work harder. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't work enough. <laughs> it's not even the animations, right? Like the number one thing, the the coolest thing about anime movies is like the animation itself, right? The the fighting and stuff. Like you get that big. I mean, budget I, stuff. I personally thought it was their depictions of African American and black people. Um, <laughs> Uh, that, those are some of my favorite parts of anime. Oh, what about what about their depictions of queer people? Don't oh. that out. That's really. Oh, I'm sorry. It can't be as extremely, nuanced. Extremely positive and <laughs> not in any way problematic. Uh, <laughs> I, I I do enjoy how like for the large part of like most of like Sentai, uh, you know. Uh, history, at least in the Japanese shows, uh, the, they relegated every queer person to be a a small time deity, which is kind of cool, but also like a sex demon, uh, which is uh, probably not exactly the the most wholesome take <laughs> that they could have on it. So who knows? I don't think it stretches out too much into the Americanized versions of that stuff, right? Like Power Rangers does have its issues with homophobia, fat phobia. And a bunch of other things, but I feel like because American culture around violence versus sexuality is so much different than the rest of the world, instead what we get treated to is like 
neutral like a either people are extremely asexual or hypersexualized there's no like in between hey and it hey, comes in at the weirdest times grav i have to disagree as hypersexual then fall into a decade of drug abuse and become borderline asexual sir thank you very much <laughs> respect the lifestyle <laughs> i'm sorry your dick doesn't work anymore kelton I mean, it's kind of like, what if Alan Turing, instead of being, like, chemically castrated, just really got into ketamine? Like, that that's kind of what we need to be picturing. So. Well, I'm glad your experience with the Rangers, at least, was very, very positive on that outlook. Like, I never oh, got into me, it as yeah. far as that, as far as you have. That's but good. That's good. That's That's what's called healthy, I believe. I suppose. So. I mean, I can't like a bunch of the other shows that I've watched in like the mid aughts. Man, the mid aughts really sucked ass for TV. I'm trying to think, right? Because like for for kids TV or for like TV as a whole. Well, kids TV, you had like Nickelodeon, right? Like yeah. that was the big stuff. Like you had the Fairly Odd Parents. You had like SpongeBob SquarePants. You had a bunch of other, like Nickelodeon was really popping. Uh, Cartoon Network kind kind of sort of went downhill in the mid aughts, and then like when you were becoming like a hypersexualized teenager going through puberty at that time, like yeah. that's when I started watching like reality TV shows. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly like, right. Flavor I, of Love, uh, I Love New York, I Love Money. At one point, Rock of Love. I watched all those shows, by the way. Flavor of Love, Rock of Love, Shot at Love. The, the holy trinity of <laughs> shitty reality TV. Oddly enough, like, I didn't really get into r the real world until, like, the real world uh, Austin, I think it was. And wow. then they had the real world road rules challenge, that type of stuff. Okay. I liked watching that. I don't know. It was just messy drama that somehow that I really liked watching. Yeah, I mean, it just was so nice and so refreshing to see. You know, finally, women being sexualized. Something that was totally new and unique for the mid two thousand. Yeah, it wasn't like I was. It wasn't like I was watching Totally Spies, and uh, <laughs> and uh, what was it? Tenchi Muyo Universe on uh, Toonami or whatever, and having absolute oh crushes on anime girls. Oh yeah, no, oof, oof, take me back, take me back, please. Yeah, I uh. just recently told a friend, I was like, that blue-haired demon chick in Tenchi Muyo, I didn't know what sex was at the time, or whatever, <laughs> but I knew I wanted I wanted to have that with her. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, the blonde-haired uh, blonde spy in Totally Spies, of course, was another crush of mine. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yes, cool. I mean, appropriate to this show, as I've kind of hinted at before, I was very hot for Kimberly as a kid. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> and, like, speaking of Kimberly, man, what a strong season for her. She finally got some of the moments that we, like, kind of felt like she deserved over, like, the last two seasons where we've been talking, like, we keep putting Kimberly as, like, this mid-pack character that we want to be a top-tier character, and then she's just not. Yeah. yeah, she had her moments in the prior seasons where, you know, she, she would have like one or two really strong moments per season. And in this one, she really came into her own. And Kelton, don't laugh at my transition. No, no, I'm not, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm staring stone-faced and blank in silent judgment as I process this. That's what's happening. Speaking of Kimberly's strong appearance this season, one of your favorite episodes this season was... A Different Shade of Pink Part 3. And also, title of a porn, probably. <laughs> that does sound... It's a very sketchy name, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, in this season, Kimberly comes out of her shell. She has some really strong moments. Uh, there's, a, there's an arc for her where she loses her powers. Uh, there's this character mm -hmm. called Cat, who Rita transforms into a cat called PC, and that... That plot line gets dropped uh, like halfway through the season. And they just lost like, the cat, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, well, we're just going to have this cat as a teenager now instead of her transforming into a cat and trying to play it all up and ham it up. And so this cat character becomes remorseful for her actions and is trying to go to the side of good. And in a different shade of Pink Part 3, she helps Kimberly mm -hmm. overcome 
her mindset on being a ranger, but also living like a regular human life on Earth. Yeah. Right, Kennedy? Okay. I, I, yeah. I have a question, by the way. Um, I need to figure out like where y'all are at in terms of your beliefs about these rangers here. Okay. Now, the, the crystals and the, the power coins, they give the rangers powers both in outfit and out of outfit, right? Yes. That's a Okay, so they are bigger, faster, stronger, more agile as being members of the Power Rangers than regular human beings. I, I right? actually yes. don't agree. I don't agree. I don't think I don't think they have any additional powers. They do. The reason why I say that is because they have access to the morphing grid, which allows them to not only seemingly learn kung fu, but also they're able to take on much more powerful creatures than they normally would without the power coins because my, we, my, we see hum, like regular humans who don't have like the power coins or whatever try and go up against the monsters and ultimately fail like pretty handedly yeah, but but ultimately these are like some of the fittest teens in town these are cool teens staying fit staying hydrated you know um and uh, uh like they have that like that's a well established fact that like these guys are like badasses i mean tommy beats up some putties, and we know he doesn't have powers yet when he does that. That's so, season like, one, though. I know, but I'm just saying that, like, I, I think, like, the way I see it is they start out, like, they can barely fight putties outside of costume, but then as time goes on, it's like they were already athletic, and they become, like, extreme okay. hyper-athletic is the way that I see it, personally. See, I, at least with my interpretation of the power coins, as long as they're the possessors of it, they have powers the way i thought of it was oh wow you're a world-class gymnast yeah that makes sense if you're also a fucking power ranger and so then like the second uh kimberly decides to give that up when she decides to go follow her dreams of being a gymnast whatever my god i can't believe that was a real plot line but it, when she decides to, to fair, do that she was she was like olympic level gymnast yeah, that's sure. the thing. That's what sure, I'm saying. It's sure, like great. before before she With ever power got powers. Point. No, before she ever got powers, she was a world class gymnast already, or like on that path already. Like okay. from the very beginning, in the very first episode of the Power Rangers, it's like established that all these teenagers do that become the Power Rangers is they hang out at the gym and they fucking get buff all the time, and that's it. <laughs> like that's all that they do. <laughs> I, I just, you know, when I'm seeing scenes happening and like they're playing against like a volleyball team, uh, I mean, the high, the entire time I'm just thinking like, this is not fair. Like if you're that volleyball team, I want to know their story. How did that group of people get together? You know, then all of a sudden your next match so you can earn free food at the pizza place. You don't know like what someone has gone through. You don't know whether or not one of the kids is going hungry because his dad left his mom. Like you have no idea what's happening in their life. And then it turns out the thing stopping you in the way is the fucking Power Rangers out of costume. <laughs> just ready to fucking dunk on you over and over again. I'm a little mixed on that, Kennedy, and the reason why I say that is because they take on the super-powered putties from Zed. So, like, the power levels overall, the power levels of everything, particularly in this season, too, has amped up considerably than from season one. So there's, like, no way that they would have been able to take on the Zed's power putties without having access to a power received from the grid. In no, my they eyes, they're more of like a Clark Kent uh, type of characters where they have to control how much power that they're outputting. Nah, they, they literally, like, as soon as they become the Power Rangers, like, Billy commits to, like, seriously getting good at martial arts. Like, they all, like, really, like, focus on that even more so. And like I say, that was already their focus. I see it as, like, Yes, the power levels are raising everywhere, but that also includes just their natural power level because they are just getting freaking buff all the time and practicing martial arts all the time. And somebody who has done martial arts for a thousand hours is a lot different than someone who's done martial arts for 10. And somebody who's done martial arts for 10,000 hours is a lot different than either of those two. So like, you know, I, I see it as just like that. And I will submit one more piece of evidence which is that right. when Tommy and Jason fight the first time, Tommy is on the same level as, as Jason's power. And Tommy at that point, again, does not have any powers. So Tommy demonstrates that a normal human 
can stand up to the world of shit in the Power Rangers in at least on a low level. That's what I think. <laughs> it could be it could be both. It could be both. You know what? You know what? I I hope Kennedy is right. Because that would mean that the Power Rangers aren't actually inherently that special, and I, I want to I want to keep pulling on this thread then uh, as, as we develop here. So Kimberly basically says she's going to follow her dream of joining the o Ohio State gymnastics Ohio team, State. where nothing <laughs> where nothing bad will ever happen to her on the Larry Nasser flight logs, right? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then like. No. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Were you not picking up on that uh, subtext as the fucking creepy German guy? It, that's a, yeah, that away? coach is like sketch. Let's just yeah, be, no, we'll, he's we'll be for real. sure. Well, and Skull were like, hey, this guy looks looks like the missing uh the missing murderer. They right? they could be wrong. They probably are at least in the world. But I I don't think we should rule it out. I think I'll we should uh. Figure out what happened. We never really hear from Kimberly again, do we? We just get a letter from her at some point. <laughs> it's like, don't look, later, but... <laughs> don't look for me. Don't look for me. I'm fine. I'm great. Don't contact me. Hey, Tommy, um, I found a new guy. His dick is huge. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gunther, Gunther Schmidt is definitely in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. Um, <laughs> that's the name of the gymnast coach, by the way. Um, so, I, all right. So, a different shade of pink. I just want to say what I like about this overall, as even just like the three parter, but especially like I'll, I'll get in more into why I pick part three in a second. But like, I, what I like about this, this is technically overall, a four-parter, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is that uh, it, it references Green with Evil in like an appealing way. Yes, but at the same time, it is also its own story, and it gives Kimberly like a a, a pretty decent send off for a character that I feel deserved it. And it it actually like manages to introduce Cat in a way that makes her seem somewhat cool, which is a departure from the season two issue of new Power Rangers showing up and they don't seem cool. <laughs> yeah, I actually really like Cat's arc, and I know that's more of like a reviewing the whole season thing, but right. uh, Cat's whole arc and the way they transferred the powers between Kimberly and Cat was actually fantastic. I don't think I actually had any problems with that at all. The only thing I ever had a problem with Cat was the whole dropping of the the PC uh, storyline, which, by the way, was what they named the cat, which stands for Park Cat. The funniest part about this, too, is that it's the whole... This three-parter is called A Different Shade of Pink, and Cat wears a pink shirt, but it's, like, a light pink. Yep. So, like, that's how they do it. And uh, it's great, actually. I love it. <laughs> I mean, like, watching it as an adult, I, I mean, I, I just, the whole time, I... A little bit. They're like, Kath, uh, Kimberly, yeah, I mean, her mom is living in Paris anyway, so she's going to be leaving for sure then and uh she has this new gymnast opportunity anyway here's here's your new mom i guess nine-year-old kids uh have fun with this uh, I, I mean it, it just seems weird i do I enjoy the episode though as a whole i just think um uh, man, one thing just... that's kind of not fully explored and also like is a source of tension that makes it quite a bit more interesting is the fact that one of cat's whole things about her arc is that she loves Tommy. And like mm -hmm. now that she's the pink ranger and Zordon's like, hey, by the way, Kat, you are going to be riding with Tommy in the Falcon Zord alone. I'm like, dude. <laughs> dude. Alpha, just having to fucking clean that Zord afterwards. <laughs> just, just having to spray shit down the entire time. Yeah. Tommy is so trusting of Tommy with that <laughs> like this is like again this is something that's more for like the reviewing the whole season but yeah kimberly specifically in this episode kimberly sees no issues and she doesn't break it off with tommy you know sometimes like we'll have these sort of relationships in 
child media or whatever or kids media even anime does it sometime too where like at the end of a character's arc if they're in a relationship and they're in high school and the person's moving away the person will be like hey like this is the end of our relationship it was great being with you and like it's kind mm -hmm. of like a bittersweet ending but kimberly yeah. doesn't end the relationship and i'm of like that's manipulative and i'm like Asshole. bro that's <laughs> <laughs> That's very trusting of you, Kim, for someone who's taking over your powers and is going to be near your boyfriend in very... He uh, has cut-off sleeves and a ponytail. That is the most trustworthy-looking face in 1994. Excuse you, sir. Well, like, not only this, but, like, Tommy doesn't, like... Tommy is pretty open to being with Kat alone. Mm -hmm. Like, at this point of the show, he got caught driving her car... <laughs> and they got kidnapped and Kimberly was like, oh no, Tommy's Tommy's trapped. And, and it looks like somebody's with them too. Oh, it's Kat. Oh, oh no. You know, like all this stuff. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> that is like a cucked porn level of logic. You know? <laughs> like those things that will happen. Where it's like what? Oh no, they're asleep right next to me. Oh, whoa. Can't believe that this is happening. Like that, it's that level of obliviousness that's occurring. But Kat's whole turnaround from being an evil person to just turning out to be like I, I know I said I would dock points for the whole brainwashing mechanic that Power <laughs> Rangers tends to do a lot of the time. This one it was kind of done pretty well, mostly because it wasn't a one and done episode. Like prior to this, a lot of the brainwashing episodes were just one and done stuff to like drive a plot point. Right. Um, but in this case, Kat went through a Tommy arc of like a green with evil arc, but just like, I guess as a woman instead, and it worked out really well. I much prefer this sort of, if you're going to replace a ranger mid season or something like that, this is great. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it think it was like a, per se a nine or a 10 out of 10 episode, but I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I, I won't lie. I just kind of wanted to pick one part from this trilogy because I felt like this trilogy as a whole was one of the strongest, but I picked part three in particular because I did feel part three, maybe it's not quite a nine, but it's, it's approaching that at the very least there's, you know, there's drama, there's friendship. There's just kind of like a lot of like interest and like intrigue and, you know, the stakes feel very high. And again, it's like this reference to Green with Evil, which is like one of the best arcs that we've had so far. But this in some ways even manages to eclipse Green with Evil simply by the fact that the production quality is much higher now, you know? And like everything feels really consistent and like more just like thought out. Whereas like some parts of Green with Evil felt like a little slapped together by comparison. I think in comparison to Green with Evil, Green with Evil was like five parts, I believe. And I think we said that yeah. we could cut it off by like an episode and it would be perfect. This one was just a solid eight every single episode. Uh, yeah. And we kind of see that a lot throughout season three. So, yeah, I could agree to that. Yeah, I will just say in general, I think with a lot of season three, the highs don't necessarily soar to the absolute limit. But the overall consistency of quality was so high. But we'll get more into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kelton, what did you think about A Different Shade of Pink, part three? Like I was mentioning before, I, I really liked it on the whole. Again, can't really stop thinking about uh, what's happening as uh, Kimberly is, is you know, trafficked off into some third world country because now she doesn't have powers to protect her. So, good God, what's going to happen to that poor girl? <laughs> uh, hey, hey. Kennedy was the one who crippled her and made her mortal. I thought she had powers and, you know, maybe she would be able to defend herself. Kennedy brought this, brought this. No, no, no. Up. Actually, I, I would argue that my reality makes her safer because in your reality, she leaves from the Power Rangers and she's instantly vulnerable. And in my reality, like she can fight a putty with or without the power coin. So oh, like this, this, this Gunther dude, like, He's just, it's going to end up, uh, it's going to be like hard candy. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's just no way. There's no way that Kimberly is like a vulnerable. She's not a typical damsel in distress character. No. Yeah, uh, that's why we hear so much from her again. <laughs> but she really does. She consistently 
we we've commented on this over and over again when people treat her badly she's just like fuck you <laughs> like yeah she straight up owns them <laughs> kimberly has always been pretty good at defending herself she's never really like and even in this season you know with her losing her powers for a different shade of pink like it's season two tommy relied on kimberly committing emotional labor for him and mm, being yeah. being his therapist in this season kimberly is just fine she doesn't need tommy's emotional labor other than like hey can, will you continue to be my boyfriend more or less yeah um, which says a lot about society but i digress uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I agree. Like Kimberly's reaction to losing her powers is a lot more like she's she seems, you know, stronger with it than like Tommy ever did. We talked a lot about Tommy's like personality change that came with like losing and gaining powers over and over again. Kimberly seems like she's stalwart. She's like she's even stronger in her convictions losing her powers rather than shaken by it, you know? Yeah. For sure. Like it's a completely different, it's a completely different vibe. It's really interesting. Yeah. And we lead on to our mutual favorite episode of the season, which was Potion is the Notion. <laughs> mm. Mm. I the love this episode so much. All right. All right. So so uh explain. Explain uh to the dear listeners, I guess, uh what happened before. Uh, uh, so the potion notion i just want to say if we've ever seemed like we're being too hard on a kid's show uh, us giving this the nod should prove that we recognize what we're watching <laughs> just for the record because <laughs> the potion notion is fun and that's what makes it great I, that's at least that's how i feel potion notion basically revolves around mischief which is like obviously mischief right uh, which is this uh, monster that Finster creates. This monster was created to like make people fall in love. Yeah, um, the whole Cupid's arrow thing. Yeah, and there also is this B-plot, which is wonderful, and you know I love B-plots that involve the villains, where Finster kind of accidentally lets it slip that this is how the wedding was pulled off. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and and there's... Dude, the, the amount of like <laughs> silliness that's in this episode is just... 10 out of 10 worthy. I I love it so much. Like, upon revisiting it, it's so much fun, dude. Like, a bunch of the scenes in here are just hilarious. A mischief goes around the Power Rangers high school and causes people to, like, fall in love with each other around the school. One yes. of which is Kimberly. Yes. And causes Kimberly to fall in love with Skull. <laughs> Respect. Respect. And Tommy is just like in front of Tommy because yes. nobody can see Finster at Mischief because of some plot device, one way or another. So Mischief is just going around being invisible monster and causing people to fall in love with each other. And Tommy is just standing around like, what the fuck? What and, is happening? Uh, yeah, what is happening as Kimberly is like fawning over Skull? Tommy just has to stand there and eat it because this is a kid's show. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Tom, Tommy is definitely taking it out on poor, on uh, the poor guy immediately afterwards. Yeah, he looks, like, he looks pissed. Yeah. Tom, the guy who spends all day in the gym. Yeah. <laughs> how's that going to go? When you and your fucking Midwestern hardcore band style aesthetic hits on his girlfriend. Well, Skull's a cop, so. That's, That's true. true. I forget yeah. now. The, the, um, the, <laughs> also, like, um, uh, Lieutenant Stone falls in love with their their teacher. Yeah, and uh, then the principal, <laughs> uh, the principal also falls in love with the teacher. Yeah, and then the the police officer gets into an argument with uh, By the, way, the school principal. Let's name, let's give a way. huge shout out to the show for being remarkably progressive at the time for not having one of the teachers fall in love with one of the students because I have a feeling that that probably was in a draft somewhere on that kid show. Oh, you definitely no. only have to go back about ten years in television to find that would be like completely acceptable. Pretty sure yeah. that was an Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> from like 10 years ago today not even. <laughs> uh, 
the, their mischief also causes uh Rita to fall in love with Goldar at one point. Yes. And then Goldar is like Finster, draft up a fucking concoction right now before Rita like rapes me. It is it is ridiculous, <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it is it is weird because what does like the PG thirteen or even like hard R effect of this do? Like, are people sucking <laughs> and fucking, you know? And if that's the case, like they have to live with that, right? Because they remember what happened. And so like they're not even they have this weird dissociative episode in their memory of like where you know they went all the way with someone like that's untold trauma across an entire school <laughs> like that's horrifying is what's happening uh zordon would have to play like men in black essentially <laughs> yeah, yeah. and erase their memories of it happening that's what would end up being like the res the end result of that stuff i think miss appleby will just be forever fantasizing about the time that <laughs> She got, she got triple a, teamed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got Eiffel Towered by yeah, exactly. and Mr. She Kaplan was just, or whatever. She was just at the school dance. <laughs> oh dear God. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. Uh it is pretty wild. It it the suggestive I mean, like I know we're being very over the top, but the suggestiveness of the episode is really intense and like Well yeah, yeah, because they're portraying it in the most like PG way possible. I'm saying like if we were to crank it up into R, like that that it still has to, you know, work within the logic of the universe. I think it's totally realistic though to assume that you know like shit is happening the, the way that these people act when they're under the power of the spell is intense it sure. clear like or... did the writers only have parents who were alcoholics <laughs> like is that is that what happened oh, with them oh yes. my god yes they is were the literally second, like, drunk with love oh yeah i mean it, it's just like it's hey guess what like, yeah How's it going? yeah no, I, th I think you're so cool. I think you're amazing. You know, you're like so that's like great. what the writer experienced when they were 13 years old being locked in their room while stepdad came over. Like that that's what was happening <laughs> in their world. Wow, that's too real. Too real. Um, so yeah, it's a great episode. I do want to say on a positive note, because sometimes we like to make note of the positivity, that the end of the episode it's kind of like there's like a a, a kind of heartwarming because when Kimberly finally breaks the spell, she kind of like basically like destroys Skull, like laser eyes him down to the mm. ground because like obviously she's not actually going to the dance with him. And, you know, she just like rips his heart out of his chest. And uh, Kimberly, you know, kind of comes to him at the dance and is like, hey, you know, I, I do want to be your friend. And Skull's like, hey being friends with you would be cool and it's like this is like a nice little scene and i'm drawing attention to that scene though not just because of that but also because of what is what skull is wearing because this ties into theories <laughs> he's wearing an imperialist outfit with the badge on it it's like some kaiserreich fucking <laughs> yep yep this is, this is some absolutely you know like when the internet collectively found out a couple of weeks ago that like garbage men have their green military uniforms uh for, for photo ops like that's that's kind of what it looks like if you were to find out what happens here that this junior police academy also occasionally moonlights as junior ice operatives that, that that's kind of what what's occurring here because this is some some bizarre costuming that they're choosing to do with him while the most knockoff version of sarah mclaughlin is playing at their <laughs> high school dance <laughs> Yes, thank you for drawing attention to that. Yeah, so this we've been theorizing about Bulk and Skull for a while. I used to think that Bulk was a rich fail gun and Skull was like his his like poorish hanger on, but now I'm more on the train that we've been developing that Skull definitely I'm with you Grav. His parents fled the Soviet Union. They they're, they're paid propagandists. And uh you know, used to own a lithium mine. That's really like looking at Skull in that uniform. That's the vibe. Yeah, the end of this episode is handled extremely well. Tommy is a pretty good sport about it. I'm guessing mm -hmm. because he understands exactly what happened. And Skull was not under the love spell. You know, it's not like 
Skull and Kimberly were both. You hit. had Kimberly it coming on to you. Kimberly. Why would you say no? Exactly. Why would you say no? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Skull, like, like, and not to mention, like, Tommy, in front of Tommy, Tommy trashes <laughs> Skull all the time. You know, so Skull it's just is like, about to cuck Tommy in the worst <laughs> possible way. <laughs> yeah, there's so no way Skull uses protection. Is my point, I guess. Like, yeah, no, dude, why would you? It's Kimberly. <laughs> Lock that down for 18 years. I believe in you, Skull. <laughs> God, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kennedy. What would you do in that situation if I, you were Skull? I, I would simply not be Skull. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the alternate universe where I'm Skull, I don't hang out with Bulk and I am a Power Ranger. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, like we talk about it every episode, but like. Skull and Bulk shoot their shot a bunch of times and get rejected every time. And in this instance, Kimberly is just like, Skull, I've come to admit to you that you are the most wonderful man I know. And I love you. Let's be together. It's like, yeah, even though Tommy's literally right there, dude. First of all, Kimberly also knows Kung Fu. And secondly, like, you're you're going to say yes. You're going to say yes. (laughs) <laughs> like that that's something like just straight out of like a, a nerd fantasy you oh know, yeah that dude that's exists. some incels fantasy right there yeah um, exactly but yeah this has fantasy. to be one of the funniest episodes of the power rangers that i've watched and i don't know if it'd be funny if it was like the very first episode that it, you watched but i feel like if you've watched any other power rangers and like you know these characters a little bit i don't know it's just good it's an episode that's designed for the fans. Sure. Like, I, I don't think that this is an episode that if you caught it on a week basis or whatever, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this show's amazing. But I if love you, it. If I you've love been it watching it, like, from week to week or whatever, this episode's the bee's knees, dude. It's awesome. It's great. Uh, probably <laughs> the rare 10, just because, like, of all the, like, mischief that does happen, it's just hilarious. It's probably the funniest episode. My favorite episode that we didn't share was Hate Master Part 1. Mm-hmm. And this is Aisha's time to shine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, yeah. Uh, so what happened in Hate Master Part 1, Kennedy? Can you do it in a rap? I cannot. Um, <laughs> uh, it'd be worse than that rap from last season that that one villain had. But, uh, okay, so... Uh, basically, Hate Master Part 1 is about, like, there's this... It starts with the the Angel Girls Club, which is this, like, <laughs> mean girls thing. It's a sorority, uh, Kennedy. It's, it's a sorority. It's a sorority. Yeah, it's a sorority. That's what it is. It's, a, it's basically kind of like a sorority. It's like this exclusive club, and, like, if your family has been in it, then you're kind of in. But if they haven't, then, like, getting in can be kind of hard and, like, it can be kind of shitty so like kimberly they are describing college like yes uh it's it's we're still just describing a sorority so um (laughs) so 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 uh kimberly is in because of uh family connections um and they're checking the list to see who else was like admitted this year or whatever got a letter from hogwarts and aisha did not no owls came down her chimney and uh Kimberly's like, this has to be a mistake. I'll talk to the leader. We'll figure this out. Aisha's great. Everybody loves Aisha. So she goes and talks to Veronica, and Veronica's like, Aisha's poor. Yeah. Basically. And I'm not going to do pointing it. at her wrist. She's like, yeah. she's poor. We can't allow poor people into this club. This is definitely one of those moments where like Power Rangers is touching on some important stuff here. All right. Hell yeah. So, yeah. Like this is this is like a very legit subject to be working on. So it's so Veronica, also not race based. I, I thought that there right. would be like th- they could have done this in a racist sort of way as well. Like mm-hmm. say, yeah, she's poor, but also she's black. But they made the woman who was denying. I think she was also like. Like a my and a, a minority as well. It's just that she was just upper class or whatever. Yeah, I yeah they just made it very clear that like this is entirely about class. And so Kimberly is like upset. 
she finds Aisha and tries to talk to her and Aisha gets, you know, obviously Aisha's like really like bummed out that this is what's going on and this is how she's being treated. So Aisha is also about to see her grandma. But in the meantime, Lord Zed comes up with some kind of plot for the hate master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's he actually a pretty good villain. Of the mean girl sorority. And he's like, you know what? That's what we need to take down the Power Rangers. Hatred. Yeah. Yeah, he's Letting like, let's use let's use this us. kind of let's use this kind of energy against them. Um, and the hate master is all about that shit. Hate master <laughs> is uh, he's he's a weird villain, but he's he's also pretty good. The, and it has like the most child version of hate, by the way, like that that <laughs> exists because they all just kind of throw tantrums. Oh Again, no, dude, it gets they become cruel to each other. I love it. <laughs> Cause it's like the most P it's the, it's again, it's a PG show, right? Yeah, um, exactly. The hate master is such an inspired villain because mm-hmm. he raps this goofy uh, rapping. Yes. And the funny part about it though, is that like, it's, you could tell it's inspired and not just like, I'm trying to cash in on a nine on nineties rap. They purposefully play it up as something comedic <laughs> and it's it is it's hilarious it it doesn't come off as cringe like i've seen a bunch of like kids tv shows where all of a sudden they'll break down into like some rap to be like hey kids i'm one of you guys right and it is it's like super cringe but in this one it's actually funny you know and it's tolerable too but it uh, definitely feels like a rap that was written to be goofy and not like they thought that this was cool while they were writing it Yes. Um, which goes a long way towards like it not being completely cringe. Cause it's like if you just take it at face value, the raps are very cringe. But like if you kind of put it into the context of this character and the whole like multi-part arc of defeating him, what is it, two parts, I think? Yeah, it's yeah two parts. parts. Then it's like, yeah, like it, it I don't know, it, it does come across in this kind of sincere-ish way that like, I don't know. It's a fun villain. It's really good, actually. <laughs> Yeah, and I think the cool part about the Hate Master is when he first introduces hatred to the Rangers, he needs to get, like, their soil or whatever or, like, the places that they've walked on to, like, get their energy to be able to produce the hatred. Major and, uh, creep shit, by the way. He's able, <laughs> he's able to instill hatred um, amongst the Power Rangers to the point where, like, they don't want to be rangers anymore. They don't want to be a team anymore. And Billy comes off the grip with like the biggest own against all of them. He's like, why do I even hang out with you intellectually challenged people? <laughs> oh, yeah. Billy, Billy was about to like whip out a graph and start talking about phrenology. Like Billy <laughs> was on another level with that. Billy joke. Billy is about to turn into a redditor who thinks that rationality is the height of yeah. <laughs> human behavior. You know, <laughs> about to post all the time on r slash atheism, just not let it go. <laughs> yeah, they and like they rip it to each other. Rocky calls out Tommy for always wanting to be the leader and everything meanwhile he's the red ranger which is probably like oddly enough rocky's best moment of the entire season (laughs) rocky uh, doesn't have anything to do in season three i'm sorry like my god the red ranger just uh i'm so sorry man yeah it's bad yeah the episode kind of sort of ends where uh, the Rangers have pretty much disbanded because they they tell Zordon to fuck off at the end well, of the hold episode. On. You you missed the most important part though. Yeah, which is that Aisha chills with her sweet grandma. It feels <laughs> like an episode of like the sweet grandma telling like something very smart and very intellectual and just like grown up about the situation and informing Aisha like, hey, like life can be like this. People can be very shitty, and it's not going to be fair. And it's yeah, yeah but they're only shitty that. because of a a, a a spell 
Uh, well, Veronica's right? not. She's not under a spell. Well, no, no, I know, I know. That that, that that's my point. It's like all it, it's the most privileged based thing of like all of the other rangers are battling because a spell has come out of hatred. Aisha's fighting like an institutionalized <laughs> actual thing. actual injustice. <laughs> exactly. The main point was that Aisha took those lessons from her grandmother, a real life lesson, and applied it to the rangers to overcome yeah. the hate master. But in this one specifically, that whole lesson, like, I think resonates with people. It's a very yeah. awesome scene. Well, and there's this fittingness to it because it's like Zed gets inspired by the petty hatred and, like, uses that to fuel his plot. But then, like, the same thing that is, like, the remedy to, like, the petty hatred is also the remedy to Zed's plot. I don't know. There's this kind of cyclicalness or something to it that's, like, kind of, it, it makes it, like, a good little arc, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And the episode sort of ends where Aisha, it's up to Aisha to basically bring back the entire Rangers team together and defeat the hate master. And the episode ends right there pretty much. But I mean, like everything about this episode was awesome. It's definitely one of those slice of life episodes where like, yeah, it has the action of the Rangers and stuff, but it's, it's relatable. Yeah. And, and I, I thought it was done very well. And then the villain was nice and kooky. Like, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching it. And I think that, it, I think it's a good example of season three as a whole, actually. Yeah. Because, like, it's that. a solid, it's a solid episode. In this instance, it's like a nine or a ten in terms of, like, the Power Rangers. But I think overall, it's kind of exemplative of the Power Rangers season three of, like, we have really good writing in terms of not only the slice of life characters, but how we fit the Toei percentai footage into it and coordinate it all together. Very good episode. I, I love it so much. Yeah. And of course, like part two kind of follows up on like the whole thing with like uh, Aisha's grandma giving her the necklace um, and stuff like that. And it basically like spoiler alert, it basically kind of concludes with like Aisha gives up the necklace, which is what pr is initially protecting her from hate master. So to make sure that Alpha has it so that uh, Alpha can use it to try to like break the spell on everyone and so she has to fight the hate master's spell again just using her like self-confidence and like grandma's like kindly wisdom or you know like whatever and it's just like that's it so yeah it's like part one I definitely saved her up a really incredible that, thing uh, aisha aisha just has defense against bad rap and cultural yeah. appropriation <laughs> Aisha's grandmother is just like one time me and another uh, young man we traveled through the American Midwest in the 1950s battling racism but also HP Lovecraft monsters which when you think about it also makes sense for this universe <laughs> fucking zords <laughs> I was like where are you going with this and then That's oh my right. god you know what I I actually love the idea that Lovecraft Country and Power Rangers take place in the same universe and it feels very believable it makes um, sense considering that Tommy's clone went back to the 1800s and stayed there <laughs> it also makes sense considering like Lovecraftian monsters rise out of the sea every week on Power Rangers and people are just like yeah whatever yeah, no, it's fine. We still live on the coast. <laughs> like, the waves. <laughs> I gotta be able to go surfing. I don't care what if there's a fucking monster once a week, I'll go surfing the other six days. They'll get taken care of, like clockwork, in roughly 30-minute periods. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'd rather go surfing um, than watch these episodes. Here are ooh. our worst picks of the season. I'm going to start off with mine real quick, just because we've already done Ninja Quest. My pick for worst episode of the season is Ninja Quest Part 2. Mm. And the reason why, I've talked about it in the prior episode, but the plot elements that you would find interesting are executed very poorly. Mm -hmm. Writing's not up to snuff. Acting's not up to snuff this episode. I just didn't like it a lot. And uh, reflecting upon Season 3, I think Ninja Quest Part 2 is probably the worst episode in my eyes. It's also just so boring like yeah. it, it just like i i was thinking about it in my head because when y'all had this uh listed as one of the worst i thought surely surely not and then i watched that episode weirdly i watched it just that episode then i watched the full arc just, you know because so then i could make sure i understood it in the vacuum that it was and yeah all of it is pointless like you guys were talking about cutting 10 minutes off of uh another 
multi-parter. You could get rid of this whole episode. I don't think anyone would care or notice. Just fucking useless is what it is. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, we agreed. We agreed in our our episode about the intro that like Ninja Quest was an overall pretty decent intro to season three, but that like overall we still had to rate it kind of low. And part two is a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we skip over to Kennedy's pick, which surprisingly was follow that car. Now follow that car. I hinted at it earlier in this recording, but. Follow That Car is technically a different shade of pink part zero because this is yes. when Kimberly first mentions like, hey, look, this German, this German Olympian trainer is going to be in town and she needs to like try and go meet up with him and all that stuff. And so we kind of have this wild goose chase episode where the monster is literally like a, a taxi cab turned monster. Just, uh, yeah. And it's like the whole like kind of gimmick is that oh there will be a ranger trapped in it, uh huh, so that you can't attack it because you can't you don't want to hurt your friend. So like, you have to it, trap it, right? <laughs> that, yeah, that's like, the as, idea. as if they can't as if they can't work around like they've had to work around this kind of thing before. Like it's not yeah. very this I don't know, like, like a net <laughs> that seems like that would work. You could <laughs> get in your zord and pick it up because it's just a cab. You know, like there's some very easy workarounds. Yeah, it's it's not that good as just like a plot. It's just pretty boring. It's one of those like this is one of those ones where I get frustrated with the watch list because it's like we're supposed to watch it and it, because it's technically canon because we see a new fucking Zord form. And I'm like, come on. Like, I don't like I don't care, guys. You like, get the bicycles, I, brother. <laughs> you get the shark cycles. <laughs> when you don't even turn into the cool thing from the, the the show that they rip it off of, my God, it so, makes me so mad. That the uh, I forget the name of the uh, original show for it, but the, those bikes they turn into like a bike catapult that <laughs> shoots one of the other bikes way forward. It's it's yeah. lovely. That's pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a bunch of canon elements to this episode. I didn't think it was that bad that I put it at the worst, but like. I guess in so, the context of the season, it's pretty bad. You know, like I, I was probably would have rated it like a five out of ten. Like it was just a like five. Yeah, five. It was just wow. okay. All right. So we have I thought uh, it was pretty inoffensive, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, we, um, we got five of the Power Rangers versus one crabby cabby. Okay. <laughs> Listen, uh I, I'm Zordon. I'm kind of focused on a whole bunch of other shit going on right now um just don't kill it yeah all right go whatever, go do guys. your thing power rangers whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually um, you know what i can tell the future like, <laughs> so. it definitely felt like this episode was made to sell toys though like the shark cycles oh. thing didn't add anything they bring it back for a couple of episodes but it's just like you guys can teleport like yeah yeah that that <laughs> just i mean it, the problem with any show involving teleportation is why would you use transportation at any point after that? You know, but the problem with this episode is season three has been really solid overall. Like it was hard for me to pick a worst in some ways. That's why I picked Ninja Quest part two. <laughs> Cause like, you know, like a lot of it was pretty goodish, right? But follow that cab just felt like comparative to everything else, which like a lot of stuff really felt like a, a step forward conceptually filmmaking wise, et cetera, et cetera. Follow that cab just felt like dumbass season two or season one shit again. It's just very me monster of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Just a very meandering and not even an interesting monster of the week. Just a very crummy monster of the week. And again, it's like I'm supposed to watch this. This is like a lot of times I feel like my worst episode when we do these is like more of an indictment of the watch list sometimes because <laughs> it's like it's whatever episode I'm upset that I had to watch and I feel like I shouldn't have had to. <laughs> That's how I felt about follow that cap. <laughs> okay. You you don't have to you don't have to rip on me that much, Kennedy. No, it's not your fault. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, you if you had watched all of these first and you were like, you still have to watch every episode where there's a Zord, I might be more critical of you. But you didn't know. You're just trying to put these lists together. But I'm. This is I more still like stand the people by the who, list. I'm doubling down. 
the the people who the people who are out there i mean it's fine it's whatever i'll watch if i have to i you know you have to watch a few bad things fine but i will say the people who are out there who make lists that are just obsessed with like we have to include every single time there's like a fucking toy no dude no well <laughs> I, think, I think the main reason more or less like i think this re like we've had episodes in prior se in the prior seasons where we're like I, I could see why it's on the anti-filler list, but like it's a shitty episode and I still had to watch it. This one I felt like, yeah, we did have to watch it. It was just not good compared to literally all the other episodes <laughs> in this season, except for, of course, Ninja Quest Part 2, IMO. But yeah, I mean, like she mentions about she this is the first time we hear about German Olympian trainer and her dreams of like becoming an Olympian gymnast. And she's like, ah, oh, well, I don't think I'm going to pursue it. Of course, we get introduced to the Shark Cycle toys that, you know, all the kids have to buy. Made so, from the fin of an ancient shark. Yeah, you and it does. Speed it. Yeah, it, it does feed into a different shade of pink. Do I think the Shark Cycles in general are probably the second worst power-up sort of kind of thing <laughs> you add that they got in this one? Because they get quite a few power-ups this season. But, like, yeah, the shark cycles are definitely, like, probably the second worst. It's not the absolute worst, but it's probably the second worst in my eyes. Yeah, it's pretty weak. It's pretty weak. Kelton, what did you think about this uh, rewatch? I thought it was good, man. I mean, we got a chance to look back at some really, really good times and some really, really, if not bad, just kind of boring or pointless times. And, I mean, I really enjoyed watching this with adult eyes and realizing the hidden darkness that lurks just beneath the surface you know uh, like best case scenario every one of these people is going to jail mutually for for different reasons you know <laughs> it's all it's all very very bad yeah kelton we'll have to bring you back sometime to specifically talk about i feel like an episode where zordon is in really bad faith <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> We should also bring you back for when we start covering Super Sentai. Hint, hint. Oh, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely going to cover that on this show. Would you consider like revisiting the Power Rangers just in general again? Like now that you're under quarantine and all that other good stuff? I think that if you are a type of person who you want escapism, you cannot do too much better than the first three seasons of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because it is the perfect just have it on in the background kind of show you know like as you're doom scrolling twitter anyways you might as well just have it on because it's better than having the news or again uh I, I i can't stop mentioning this but some overly wrought dramatic netflix movie like the devil <laughs> all the time playing you know or some uh, overly wrought dramatic netflix show like the haunting of hill house which i watched this week <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, uh, I, I love how they franchised it. What's it called now? The the haunting at what? What's the name I don't, for it? I don't know. Anyway, I haven't anyway. watched the second part. The yet. haunting of Bly Manor. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> you love Man, it. You I'm love over it. Here, like the most doomerous shit that I'm watching outside of like news clips on Twitter is probably and Power Rangers is the boys. I do want to get into the dark though. That's another like Netflix TV series that I've been meaning to get oh, to, especially that's that since German it one, right? Yeah, mm, yeah. No, that 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 one <laughs> I've been avoiding because I'm like the second I watch that, I'm about to get like some real fucked up, staring off into the middle distance every five seconds kind of vibe. <laughs> 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 They're gonna be like, "Hey, what's going on, Kelton? You aren't feeling too riffy today." Yeah, yeah, no. You're right. You ever just think about what what could have been one small change could have made all the difference. You could have been alive. <laughs> on a wild pivot. On a wild pivot. One of the things that's got me like that a little bit was watching one of my favorite YouTubers, Northern Lion. He's like one of those Let's Play guys. He did okay. a Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh. And I have never seen like I actively avoided footage of Doki Doki Literature Club because I wanted to play it personally. But then I saw him play it, and I was like, okay, I need to watch it. Holy shit, man. Like, to this day, I still think about it sometimes. It's also just a fantastic playthrough because he makes, like, 
the voices that he does and the the laughs that he does whatever when he does the characters it's hilarious and probably one of like i can't think of too many goaded let's plays like uh sonic 06 from game grumps is probably that before john tron was just like overtly a nazi <laughs> is one of those things right but like yeah it's probably on those levels of like holy shit like this is one of the best let's plays i've ever seen in my life but uh Man, nice. the story changes in Doki Doki really got me like staring off into the distance. Like, man, holy shit. It's what a thousand game. Yard stare. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kelton, what would you like to plug, brother? Oh my God. I, I honestly don't know what I would want to plug. What is there to plug these days? Every day is just the same as the day before it. Go <laughs> ahead and just uh just just find me online somewhere. Like yeah, you'll find me. Like I, I believe in you. And if you don't <laughs> It wasn't meant to be. We'll, we'll we'll catch up next time. Keep listening to Sentai Truther Club if you want to hear my actual plug the next time I come on here. So. Uh, what 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 other thing I would like to mention? The name of the show. I I you know we did that origin episode a couple of months ago, and one of the things I didn't mention, I guess because I knew I was gonna have Kelton on the show eventually, was that. Kelton is the original truther. So like I didn't even use uh -oh. the word like the word the word truther in my lexicon it it wasn't there yet until Kelton made his Twitter handle which ends in truther and I was like oh shit huh well, thank and I was you. like oh okay so we're going to be the Sentai Truther Club. Excellent. Excellent. 911 is a lie and uh Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.